Welcome, friends. You're listening to Conversations with Consequences. We are the radio show and podcast of the Catholic Association, where you get witty and charming conversation about the things that matter to you with the leading thinkers of our time. If you're listening on the radio, you're listening at 11 a.m. on Fridays on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And if not, you're listening for free wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to our podcasts at thecatholicassociation.org slash podcast, or you can search for Conversations with Consequences on any of the podcast apps. We are everywhere. Please do us a favor, rate and review our show because that helps other people find our podcast. I'm Dr. Gracie Christie. I'm your hostess. I'm in Miami, Florida today, as per usual. And today we are going on with our Church on the Ground series, where we try to highlight different initiatives uh, in different parishes across the United States. Uh, and not just parishes, but other ways that the church is um, not necessarily sitting around moaning and wailing about the things that are happening that are beyond our control, but are the churches instead um, going out into the world and doing what the church does, evangelizing, uh, helping, being of service to others, bringing souls to Christ, in short. Today, we will be talking to two people that run beautiful programs in my particular parish. My parish is St. Agnes in Key Biscayne. Uh, in Miami, just off, just off downtown Miami. It's a little island. We have uh, a lot of very energetic and very wonderful parishioners. And uh, some of these parishioners uh, are leading two different initiatives. One that uh, is helpful to people um, who are living on the streets, homeless people, and they're doing so much good. And another initiative that is doing a lot of good for marriages. It's couples helping couples stay married and have holy marriages and uh, bring up their children in beautiful homes that, um, that remind us of the home of the holy family. Or at least that's what we try to do. Malena Legarre, welcome to Conversations with Consequences. Hello, how are you? Thank you for inviting me. Malena and I are both uh, in my audio closet. <laughs> we're sitting very close together. <laughs> it's a good thing we're both ladies. And um, she is my neighbor in Key Biscayne, in just off downtown Miami. It's a little island. We uh, have known each other for many years. Our children have played together. Malena has eight children, I think, right, Malena? Yes, that's yes. right. Okay, I only have five, Malena. He's very fortunate to have three more. <laughs> so Malena is um, a member of a group, a founding member of a group uh, that is very popular in our parish. It's a very lovely initiative that um, she's going to tell us about. It's called Hermanos a la Calle, which means Brethren to the Streets. It's Brothers of the Street. I'm sorry, de Hermanos la de la Calle. So yeah. that would be Brethren to the Streets. Oh, no, of the streets. Yeah. Of, of oh. course. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking in two languages. So um, this is, this along with uh, a, another uh, ministry that we're going to be talking to about later and with a leader of that other ministry, this is one of the ministries in our parish which uh, serves to keep the, the parish vibrant. It keeps the parish uh, full of life. And it's a way to not only... Um, not only to fulfill the apostolic mission of Christianity, which uh, is always infused with service, but it's also a way to engage the hearts of people who are drawn to the idea of Christ through the idea of service. 
Some of us are drawn uh, to Christ primarily through our intellect. Some of us are very spiritual, and um, we are drawn through through ideas of the transcendent and and spirituality. Um, other people find Christ through service because they see um, the amazing, incredible way that Christianity teaches us that um, every every little brother or sister is Christ in one in one way. As Jesus said to us, whatever we do for the least of our brothers. Whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did to me. And so through this path of service uh, to the least, to the most vulnerable, they find Christ. And this is one of the things which keeps our parish full and vibrant. So Malena Legarre is here to tell us about her ministry called Hermanos de la Calle. Exactly. Brethren of the Street. So tell us when this started and how it started. Okay. It started like four years ago uh, with uh, my husband's and um, mine concern about our kids uh, just praying and participating in Christ's uh, love and uh, uh, religion, only going to the church and to the CCD class. We've always have had a background of service, so suddenly we thought we should give these kids uh, this uh, what we lived when we were young people, and we thought that maybe because he, wait, Valena, let me interrupt you. You are from Argentina, exactly, and so is your husband Narciso. Uh, yeah, and that is the point. I mean, when you live in this. Uh, poorer countries, it's very common for you as a boy or a girl to meet people in need. And real and need, right? Like hunger, real need, hunger, barefoot. Real hunger, uh, children, abandoned children, and so. So you are more like accustomed to to try to help them. And what happens? What, what happened at that point uh, four years ago was that we thought that maybe in Miami we couldn't have that possibility because the, maybe there is not poor people. Or maybe the poor people have so many government services yeah. that the need, those ex- those really uh, strong needs that we see in, in Latin American countries, we didn't know you don't find. Either one or the other. I mean, we didn't know if the government was doing something or we didn't even know if there were a lot of people in need. So we found people in the city of Toral that uh, were going to feed the homeless every Saturday. And Narciso took, uh, my husband Narciso, took uh, the children, our uh, the oldest ones, three of them, to Doral to cook with them and they went for the first time. The second time I joined, and the third time another people joined, and suddenly we found that we were enough people to go by ourselves and not with the people from Dora. So tell me, what is the actual action that you do when you say you're gonna go? Yeah, we feed first people. started to started uh, going to feed the people. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought that we were taking a plate of food and that was it, but we found ourselves that there was much more that you can do, because we finally going every other Friday or every Friday. And where do you go? To downtown Miami. It's twelve minutes from our small island place, paradise place. Yes. You know, our kids live here, so they never, never see that reality, which it is mostly at night because, you know, the homeless people are like disseminated and then they they reunite in some places and it's like 50 people 
all together under a bridge, living their lives uh, in the streets. Yes, very sad. So we, yeah, and very poor in their souls, abandoned people not looking at them, not talking to them. Mm -hmm. like very lonely, terrible lonely. Very lonely people, like indifferent to that reality. Mm -hmm. So what you discover is that just looking in their eyes, just talking to them, asking for their names was like a changing a changing thing in their lives for that night, you know. So we started with the food, then we realized we can have a conversation, and suddenly we were almost friends of them, so we need to do something about it. And we started next steps and other steps, reunion with families, trying to help them out of the addiction, sending to rehabilitation program. And once they finish of the, the rehabilitation, uh, now what do we do with this new friend? Mm -hmm. So we are um, having houses for them. You know, we when they are back from rehab, we can offer them a bed in a nice house where they can not only sleep, but be part of a community. Wait, so let me get this straight. You actually rent a house with rooms in it for these people and then give them a place to live? Exactly. But the important thing is that it is not only that. We try to help them reinsert themselves to the society. We help them find a job, people from the group, help find jobs, a bike so that he can go catch the bus and go to the job. Uh, everyone is helping. And that is a very important thing to tell you because what mostly really is beautiful of this is that it's a lot of people engaged from our parish and from other parts of the city in helping the homeless people. It is more transforming for the people that helps. Than even help. for the people that yeah. are being helped. Yeah, because we helped like, yeah, 100, 200, but 400 families with their kids are involved in going from time to time to see this reality. Kids that has have never seen what's going on 10 minutes, Ten minutes away, away from away. home, uh -huh. now they know, you know, and so they go to sleep and they pray and they, you know, apply what they learn in CCD, all the spiritual that the parents try to, to give them. And now they are also thinking and praying for other people and trying to, to understand that Jesus is with them, is there too in every of their souls. So... It's Malena, as far as a, a, a tool of apostolate, a tool, your ministry, your ministry uh, energizes and activates the, the souls of the people that it touches. I'm talking now about the people that help. Obviously, you're doing a lot of good to the souls of the people uh, you are helping, the homeless people you are helping. But the way that your ministry touches the souls of the people who get engaged and bring them, bring those people to Christ. How are you bringing, tell us how you're bringing how you are bringing these people to Christ. Because the beautiful thing of our type of outreach, outreach is when you go to to look for homeless people and try to help them. So is that we not only uh, give a, a plate of food and do material things, but we all always pray with them also. Oh, do you? So maybe the people who came to help was a little bit out of the fish tank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, wow. They, they, came, say, they so came out of out of charity, a beautiful feeling in their exactly, hearts to want to help. Beautiful. But they hadn't associated that with God. Exactly. So and what they see is that not us, but the homeless people has have God first. So for them, God is priority, although they are in that situation. So for sure, Jesus is there. Sitting oh, with them. How pretty, Because Malena. when we get there 
I mean, it's, God, thank you. Your angels came. They're beautiful things. And they always want to pray. Always. We have always a final prayer. So you have these people, you meet these people who are living literally in the cockroach-infested, disgusting streets of downtown Miami. Yes. I'm sorry that that's how it is. Yeah. Um, uh, with no nothing over their heads, uh, at, at the mercy of, of the, the wind and the, and the rain and, and the rodents. And the first thing they want to do is pray and give thanks to God when they yeah. see you. Yeah. That's so lovely. You can, you can tell that. You can tell that for sure. And so that's very touching for the people, for the for the ones that wants religion and has religion as a priority. And for the ones that don't, they say, oh, wow. So maybe there is something good about it. Because the good thing of this um, type of activity and service is that people from, I mean, all good people wants to serve. It doesn't matter if they go of to course, mass or not. So they join us because they say, that is what I like. That is what I like, you know. But through that, they get engaged. A lot of people that maybe stopped going to mass, although they are baptized, are back in track because they understand that we need Christ to do good. So it's, um, it's good. I can't tell you about numbers or... Um, exact people, but it is. It, we can feel it. We can feel it. We can see it. We can now. We we find ourselves all together in mass and fa find ourselves all together in service too. So it's it's great. The church comes under a lot of attacks. The Catholic Church, because uh, you know a lot of those attacks are very merited, right? We've mm -hmm. had these terrible scandals of yeah. sexual abuse and and just sexual impropriety, ugly things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and other other things that the church as an institution has done wrong mm -hmm. and that all of us are suffering from that because yes. we love the church and we want her always to show her fit, her best face, right? And make all these, uh, make hearts uh, thrill when they see her. We want everybody to love the church. And some people can't seem to love the church because they are concentrating on these scandals and these bad actors that unfortunately, whenever you have a group of people, you're going to have bad people mixed in among them. I wish it weren't so, but that's true. Yeah. I My idea, my impression of your ministry and other ministries like that is that they are the beautiful shining face of the church, mm. the the face of compassion and charity. What Pope Francis said, that's, that's, it's, the church is a field hospital, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. We have to yes. go out to the peripheries. And, and we have to do our part. It doesn't matter. I mean, we love the church. And of course, we matter about what happened or what is still happening or whatever. But we are the church we too. We are the church. So exactly. we, need to, we need to work for it. So we do our part. And we are a good example. Me, I mean, not only us with our service, but anything that you do, um, of course, uh, do your part, you know, and it will be good for others to see a balance. I mean, there are wrong things and there can be good things too. And people choose to maybe um, go with what they prefer, with this, that what what is good for them. So... Um, our, I, our church, Malena, and I want to tell our listeners, our church here in Key Biscayne is it's, it's packed all day on Sunday. I think we have six masses yeah. on Sunday. About half of them are in Spanish. I think half in Spanish, half in English. Mm. And more or less. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe four in, four in English, two in Spanish. Two so in Spanish. Yeah. Two in Spanish. Okay. Yeah. And you can see that that's, that can be an issue sometimes. <laughs> but uh, the church is so full of people, of young families, 
And I know that it's a beacon of, of hope for people. And it's, and it's also like calling out to everyone in the community and say, here we do good things. Here yeah. we, here we care for our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, apart from what you see in the church that is packed, the amount of uh, ministries and the offer that we have uh, for spiritual um, formation, uh -huh. and it is great. So we need to be very thankful. I think we need to be very thankful. Um, Malena, tell me what. Tell me a, a story. One of the, your your best stories of success in both on on both ends. Stories of uh, give me two stories. One, a story of success uh, for helping someone who was uh, in terrible in a terrible situation, mm -hmm. materially living on the street, and then another story of success. Someone who was far from from church and far from Christ, and and you were able to help them that way. Okay, um, the material which was very difficult to try to have an approach in the spirituality too, because I would have loved. Uh, there is a very beautiful case of a woman named Juanita from Puerto Rico. Uh, she was sleeping in the streets and she was 83 years old. Wow, so, 83 on the streets? Yeah, Hi. sleeping on the, you know, in a carton on top of the one, first street, um, I don't know how you call that, the, the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it was difficult to help her. She wouldn't let us. She was what a, with a knife there. With as, a knife? Yeah. Saying, no, I don't want to speak to Never wanted a food. No, I don't speak that food. Probably it is poisoned. And so, so we started to work with her. Um, I started to help her get back the material things, you know, the foods, all the, that the government, because of course, of course she had. She has Puerto Rican. She deserves so everything. She has, yes. Yeah, so she has so all So she recovered everything. Mm -hmm. But she was still in the streets and she wouldn't want to leave the streets. So it was a hard job. But finally, I bought a plane ticket for her, for me and for my two daughters. And we went to Puerto Rico because through Facebook. You did not. Yeah. Through Facebook, <laughs> we Elena. found the family. And the sister uh, called uh, me or wrote me through Facebook. You know, sometimes Facebook can be useful. Of useful. course, of course. <laughs> so uh, they said, please, uh, we want Juanita back. We talked in the phone, like for one month, just talking in the phone. I also found, we also found his uh, son in California. Oh. There, you know, there were lots of emails, but I wrote to all of those emails. And suddenly, one day, I pick up my phone, and James answered, yes, she's my mom, oh, and so no. on. I thought How she was amazing. dead. It's been seven years. I didn't know anything about her, oh. and so on. So, short story, she's now living in California with her son. Oh, Malena. I took her to Puerto Rico, oh, but it was wonderful. very hard for the sister. After two days being in Puerto Rico, she called me, Malena, I can't. So, now what do we do? So the sister the wasn't comfortable yeah. having her. The son, no, because she was a little bit, you know. Well, there, it's a, after, I'm sure the sister was very old, too. Yes, right? and after four lot. years in the streets, you know, 83 years old, what can you be? Yes. So, But she was very intelligent. Her son went to pick her up in Puerto Rico and took her to California. Oh. So not only we... You're making me cry. <laughs> no, not only Juanita is safe now and materialistic, talking good, But she's with her son, where she has to be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And moreover, her son is taking care of who gave him life. Yes. So the circle is 
close. close. Although sometimes I have to be sincere. He texted me, Malenita, Malena, Juanita left. So she, she, she goes to a motel, stays a couple of nights, and then he recovers her. So he is struggling with the situation, but it has to be like that, you know? She is with him and much, much, much better than... Hi, Malena, before. you know, when I, when, like everyone else, when you drive down the street and you see under a bridge people living or in those tents along the street, you say, those people cannot be recovered. They can't recover. Mm. I, I could never connect or there's, there's too many obstacles, too many, too many barriers they between are. me and them. Mm. And yes, the obstacles are real. The barriers are real, but how wonderful that you have been able to yeah. jump over those obstacles Some, yeah, yeah, and with so much generosity on your yeah, part. Yeah, well... It's time, you know, just time. Now I work for this. I mean, it's a not, not, a, not a voluntarily. I mean, I don't get a pay, but every single day from 8.30 to 1.30, I'm engaged on something related to the Fundacion. And then during the afternoon, the phone and so bad because I want to be at home when my kids come back from school. But, Malena, yeah. what do you do better than the government? How come you're, what do you think you're better than the government? Well, what we discovered is that the, um, the the sense of community that we are giving these people in the houses we are we have now four houses with uh, six people in each of them and does the government help you every month? no 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 this no. is a completely private moment. this is it's a completely private, private effort. and we use the resources through you know the food stamps and what they can get medicine everything is provided by what they deserve if they are citizens or not or whatever we we don't pay medicines or anything like that we just provide the the place but they pay for it the the dignity of uh, Paying Pay for your, your rent. rent, okay? That is very important because if you don't charge anything, it's very little. But if they, they, if you don't charge, why am I going to work? They don't, don't have to And pay? they don't value it as much as exactly. they do. Exactly. So pay. now they work so that they can pay. And we also have workshops. People, volunteers that go to one of the houses and they do things. I brought you a present. They do these little things that we or them sell and then they the, per, the people who are a little bit more old or maybe has problems to get a job or legal things or whatever they work on the workshops they share time with volunteers we also add spirituality there they pray and everything and then they get what we what we sell they get it to pay the rent so they the ones that cannot work for some issues or they don't have a check from the government they also have uh, the workshops, jewelry workshops or uh, different type of activities, macrame, you know, they do different things. Malena, I know that everyone's listening and wishing that they were near us <laughs> so they they're could come far. and give you a hand. Yeah, I know. They're far away, right? Yeah, very far away. But do you, let me ask you, how can people learn more about Hermanos de la Calle? Well, we have a, a web page, which is hermanosdelacalle.org. Uh -huh. oh, and oh. I will post, I will, I will make a note on our okay, podcast perfect. show notes so that people can click and on it. And we are it. also in Facebook and Instagram. If you go through Instagram and Facebook, Facebook, you can see a, a lot of stories like Juanita's. I mean, you're going to see lots of stories. We've just saved a family that they were with a two-year-old sleeping in the streets oh, no. last Friday. Now they are in a shelter from the government, but we help them like, come here. You sleep tonight here in this hotel or this room that we gave them for a couple of nights. And then we got, got, got them into the what the government can give them. And the government helped and they put him them into a shelter. So now they will be six months there. They can stand on their feet. I mean, 
We try to just imagine, just imagine having a two-year-old and living on the street. What a tragedy! Yeah, terrible. I mean, the the worst thing of that is that if DCF, of course, would have find them. Oh, they take the child. They take the away. child, and she's pregnant six months. So oh. it was it was a miracle, and we think it was a miracle of Paula. Paula, that was our neighbor that passed away on the accident. So we prayed. Oh, let yeah. me tell our listeners, we had a, a an accident, a very tragic accident. A young woman died. Yeah, there was a person praying, praying, praying hard to Paula to, you know, ask her that she intercedes. And, and we got it. I mean, they are in a safe place and they will be, oh. they will be good to, to stand on their feet and go go on with their lives. Well, God bless your efforts. And we baptized a lot of them and they go to <gasps> Emmaus retreat too, so... And you even baptize them. This is a one-stop yeah, yeah, shop, yeah, yeah. Malena. Well, not me. <laughs> I know, of I course. Know. <laughs> <laughs> the priest. <laughs> oh, Malena, yeah. well, God bless your efforts and I'm so glad that you came and talked to us no, today about Hermanos us. de la Calle. I hope that all our listeners' parishes are full of these beautiful ministries. And if God. not, you can start one, right? Yes, of course. There is a lot to do, right? And you can join us. And you too, Gracie. Yes. <laughs> you can come one of these days. Well, okay. thank you. And you've been listening to Conversations with Consequences. This is part of our Church on the Ground series. Stay tuned uh, for more after this break. Welcome back, friends, to Conversations with Consequences. This is the radio show and podcast of the Catholic Association. Today we are recording our Church on the Ground series, part of our series. And this is our series where we look at the church in action, on the ground, all the different ways that our uh, bustling, vibrant, happy parishes are affecting the world around them in positive ways, uh, being uh, lights of apostolate, Uh, bringing souls to Christ, and bringing all sorts of good to all sorts of different people who need it. And today, um, in our second segment, I've asked another friend of mine from our parish, uh, our parish is St. Agnes of Key Cane, right off downtown Miami in Florida. And uh, our, we have a very, very lovely parish with many things going on all the time, many full masses, and a wonderful spirit in our parish. Today, we have already highlighted um, one group called Hermanos de la Calle, Brethren of the Street, a wonderful group that goes out and uh, brings not just food, but also spiritual sustenance uh, to homeless people in Miami, of which we have many, and even has built six, has rented six different houses where they, um, they bring people off the street and, and are able to bring them back to life, as it were. Um, and in the process, they bring a lot of people into the church and, and to Christ in, in that process of service to others. So now joining me again in my audio closet, a very good and, and patient and go very good friend of mine to come after work to do this recording with me. His name is Genaro Pulat. Welcome, Genaro. Thank you. Thank you, Gracie, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I share exactly what you said, that we are part of a very vibrant church and a very vibrant place that bring a lot of opportunities for us to grow and bring a community together, you know, which I think is very important, I think. So we're fortunate to be in 
friends on, on the church and friends on Christ. Genaro and his wife Marta are a couple, one of those key couples in any parish. Um, if, you be, if you belong to a parish, which you probably do listening to this podcast or this radio show, you know that at every parish there's seven or eight couples that do everything. <laughs> when, the priest, when the priest needs something done, he turns to the same seven or eight couples or seven or eight families. So Marta and, and Genaro, they have their fingers in a lot of pies. They're, they're doing a lot of good things. But today I want to talk to him about um, uh, one of the things that they're doing so beautifully, and it's called El Convenio Matrimonial. We, we're going to say it in Spanish. Here in our parish, everything is bilingual. So we say El Convenio Matrimonial. In English, we call it Marriage Covenant. It's, it's a retreat. I did the retreat with my husband. I'm trying to think if it was uh, almost a year ago or almost two years ago. A little bit over a year ago. You did the first one that we did in English. Oh, yes. It was exactly in March 2018, so it was a little bit over a year ago. Oh, so my husband and I went to this retreat, the first one in English, as Genaro said. It started on a Friday, ended on Sunday, and it was spectacular. It was a spectacular um, uh, just weekend for us uh, in many ways, but I wanted, uh, I was so impressed with the work that Genaro and his wife Marta are doing in this marriage covenant retreat that I wanted to talk to him about it. So please, Genaro, tell us how uh, the marriage covenant retreat came about, and then you can tell us about the retreat itself and what kind of um, good things you're doing through that retreat. Excellent, Gracie, and thank you very, very much again for having me. I think that uh, uh, Marriage Covenant is an effort that started in uh, the Miami Diocese probably, I will say, a little bit over 15 years ago. Uh, the Tomoto couple from St. Louis Church uh, came uh, with this idea with another lady called Myrna Gallagher. Myrna Gallagher is very famous because she's the one that wrote the famous uh, Emmaus retreat that is has gone all over the place and converted a lot of people. And they came with this idea of creating a retreat where can bring couples closer to God and closer to uh, to the church, no? So probably like four years ago, our pastor, Father Juan Carlos, uh, asked us to go and learn about a retreat. So Martha and I went with other couples of, of the community to a um, little flower church also in Miami, where they were doing the retreat for a couple of years. We did the retreat there and we found it formidable. I think that it was a very good uh, it was a forum by which you can really get closer to your wife, revalue your marriage, uh, revalue the goals of what is a, a marriage about, bring God to the center. And uh, we, we came also to the conclusion that we needed to help marriages get better in Key Biscayne. So we met with the pastor Juan Carlos and he asked us to if we can try to bring it back to the community. You know? So we started three years ago. We have done so far nine retreats. We do it in English and Spanish. And so far, uh, we have had over 280 couples that have come through the retreat and that have found a way to rekindle their marriage and found a way to reconnect and find a way to put their priorities in order. One of the th really things that we believe is that everything starts from marriage. I think that a strong community starts from marriage because the marriage, in our view, is the base of the family, the family is the base of the community. So in order to have a strong and vibrant community, we need to start by strengthening the values of the marriage and making sure that the couple is strong. So that was the, the, the whole idea about this uh, about this uh, retreat, no? Genaro, these couples that come to the retreat are all Catholic couples, is that true? 
The reality is that yes, the reality is that yes, but we will welcome anyone. The reality is that the idea is try to see how can we get the marriage better and bring God on the center of the marriage. But we have had a couple of couples that have come that are not Catholic, that also want, are looking for something. So we try to be an inclusive uh, an inclusive uh, retreat and, and, and so on, an inclusive church. So if someone has a curiosity to find out how are we doing things on how are we becoming better in the Catholic Church, yes, we welcome anyone. And now let's face it, the truth is that in the Catholic Church we have very high divorce rates, and I don't think yeah. we're very different from the rest of the general population, uh, at least in Catholics that are uh, Sunday, occasional Sunday Mass goers, Catholic. I think once you start um, attending Mass as a family every week, your chances of having a successful, long-lasting marriage uh, go through the roof. It's a, different, it's a different scenario. But in general, most Catholics don't go to church every Sunday. They're, they're a little bit um, uh, less, less engaged, no? They're not such yeah, an engaged yeah, yeah. couple, not, not such engaged families. And we do have higher divorce rates in, in, the Catholic, um, in, in our Catholic population. So people come, to your, people come to the retreat, like my husband and I did, we didn't go because we were on the verge of divorce, <laughs> thank God. Uh, we went uh, simply because um, I think you you invited us. That's why we yeah. went. And my husband and I love you and your wife very much. And so we said, oh, we'll go. We'll give it a try. But we found at the retreat that there were couples in all stages of mm -hmm. marital happiness and marital unhappiness. Has that been your experience across all these hundreds of couples that you've seen? I would say that, yes, you touch very important things. And I agree with your first statement. I think that divorce is a problem that we have as a society. And I think whatever we can do to reduce the amount of divorce and getting couples to sustain over time, I think it's important because it's it's having a, a couple that remains together is good for the family, is good for the community, is good for the kids. Now, we get people that are at different, as you correctly say, stages uh, uh, of marriages. Uh, you get people that are very bad, close to getting divorced, close to breaking up, or you get people that are doing well, but we believe that there is always room for improvement. There is always room for improvement because life is not easy. And I think we believe that in married life, uh, you will get a lot of challenges. So if you don't learn how to be together and confront those challenges and sustain those challenges, it's going to be very difficult, no? So yes, the, your answer is yes, we get people in different degrees of happiness, to call it, in, in the relationship. But we also get people that are at different stages of age in their marriage. We get people that have been married for two years. We get people that have been married for 45 years. We mm -hmm. got a couple that have done the retreat that has been married for 58 years. Oh, how wonderful. And, and you will say, why a couple that is married for 50-something years need a retreat? And, and the answer goes to the same. There's always room for improvement. There's always room to do better. And it's very, very encouraging to see in a retreat a couple that is 58 years married and a couple that is two-year married, both of them looking the same, mm -hmm. which is looking for tools on how to be better, how to improve, how to communicate better, and how to be a better example for the family. You know? My husband and I found the retreat to be utterly romantic. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and for us, my husband, my husband said after uh, after he left, he said, you know, Gracie, I think that was the best weekend of our married lives. And I'm not exaggerating. He really felt that. I felt it, too. I, I felt that we that we were able to we were able to look at each other as like we did when we first fell in love. And that's we've been married 25 years. And we love each other very much, uh, but we're, you know, we're normal man and woman and, and, and things go up and down and, and uh, we have our difficulties like everyone else. But the romance of that weekend is something that we won't soon forget. 
I will say, Gracie, that uh, what we learned through this retreat is that in our normal married life, we don't really get quality time together with your partner. I think that, yes, you probably go out to a date or you go to the movies or you go out with friends, but you never get quality time in which you can really get what the other is thinking, what the other mm -hmm. is going through, what things the other person like, what the things the other person don't like, what things they bother about yourself. So that's what you do in the retreat. I think that in the retreat, you get time to spend quality time together and reevaluating re your relationship. If you recall, the retreat is testimonial. And I think that testimonial means that there's going to be people that are going to come and share their experiences with us, how they did well, how they did bad, how they got out of crisis, how they did get out of bad situations. And those type of things, in our view, help to revalue your own marriage. And, and then at the end, after revaluation and making sure that you belong to each other, the reality is that you set your goals again. You set your goals again. And yes, it becomes romantic because I think that that setting goals is falling in love again, making sure that the objectives are the same, that you, that you see the same, or you look for the same objectives uh, through life. No? You mentioned the testimonial system. I don't know how much you want to talk about what actually goes on in the retreat because there is a sense of surprise yeah. and uh, you, you keep it under wraps, uh, some, a lot of the activities. And I think that's a good idea because, because it is um, an eye-opening experience when you go uh, and you experience these things for the first time. Um, but it, it, talk to us a little bit about the testimonials and how of the course. testimonials uh, invoke, wh what are they meant to provoke in the, in the listeners? That's a very good idea. And yes, I, I will try to avoid sharing a little bit about the retreat because we tried everything that happens in the retreat to be a little bit confidential for the surprise part, but also for the protection of the people that come and speak to us. Because the reality is that we invite couples to come and share their life experiences, mm -hmm. where they're coming from. And I think that where they were born, how they raised, they were raised, how they get together, and then all the challenges that have they have faced as a couple. And then the most important thing is how they got out of those challenges and how they found a way to become together again, to put God in the center of our marriage, other marriage, sorry. And I think that's very important because when you see another couple, that other couples have issues, that other couples have problems, that other couples have challenges, then you realize probably that your challenges or your problems or your issues are not as bad as they look. Sometimes we tend to believe that our problems are the worst of all. Yes. But when you <laughs> see that the problems of others are similar, let's not say that are worse or, or better than, than yours, but are similar than yours, you, you realize that it's not as bad. And mm -hmm. you realize that if other people were able to get out of certain challenges, certain situations, you can also get out of those situations. So that's what the testimonials are, are, are all about. Not trying to, although the problems probably aren't going to be exactly the same, but it's a way uh, basically to realize that you can get out of any, any problem yourself. No? One, one of the, a couple of the testimonials for my husband and I had a great effect in we were able to listen to couples who were able to forgive each other for great offenses. And all of us who've been married more than three days <laughs> have offenses to forgive. Yeah. And uh, some of us, um, we hold grudges. We remember. Maybe we say, "Oh, I've I've, forg I've I've forgiven him for that, or I've forgiven her for that." But but it's it's in there. It's sitting in there, and we remember it once in a while, and we get resentful again. It was wonderful to listen to couples who had very large things to forgive each other for, and were able to access the divine forgiveness of God, really, and inject that into their marriage, into their, into their selves, into their hearts, and act with that divine forgiveness. Because I think only, only, something, only divine forgiveness can get us over some of these uh, hurts that happen to us. 
I agree with you, Gracie. I think that probably forgiveness is the most important word in a relationship. I think that there is this phrase that I like very much that it says that there is no forgiveness without love and there is no love without forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you really want to love your partner, you have to learn to forgive. And I think that the reality is that a true forgiveness is what provides strength going forward in a situation. Let's be realistic. We all are going to make offenses to our partner. That's life about even the way that you said good good morning is not the way that your partner was uh -huh. expecting and you offend them to probably very difficult things like affairs or things that happen in, 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 in our life. It's not common, but it happened in our life. So if you manage really to be able to forgive in whatever happened to you, it's a sign of love and it's a sign of commitment to your partner and it will strengthen you uh, going forward. No? You mentioned another thing which is forgetting. And I think one of the things that I learned, and I learned this from a priest, that forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness means just realizing that the matter or the situation that affected you will not impact you going forward. Mm -hmm. You will always probably remember what happened, but you just decide by forgiving, you just decide that the situation will not bother you, you anymore. And the other thing that I like very much is that forgiveness is a, a very important act of love, and that's what I mentioned, but it's a decision. If you want to forgive, it's on you to try to, to, to forgive the other person, yes. It is a decision. Yeah. You know, Genaro, during the retreat, uh, another thing that you're so successful at during the retreat is putting God back into the center of the relationship. And maybe that sounds a little trite or a, as though you can grab God off the shelf and put him in between a man and a woman. But it really did feel that way, that uh, in, in the retreat, you made very clear that a marriage is not a partnership between two people. A marriage is a partnership between three people. <laughs> mm -hmm. And tell us, tell us how, you, how, how you feel that you're able to um, uh, bring this home to these couples. I think that uh, I agree 100% with that. I think that uh, marriage, in a way, for me, is a trinity. Similar to the to the to the Trinity that we all know as Catholic, marriage is another Trinity because the third one in the relationship is God, and the idea of bringing God together is is making sure that God is part of your life. God is part of your life from your daily habits. It goes from prayer, it goes to going to mass, but also to making sure that you know that you have someone there that will support you and that will be there to guide you, that will forgive you about their, uh, your situations, and making sure also that. You're dedicated to your partner in full. It says that uh, we truly believe that when you get married, uh, Gracie, it's to make happy, to, to ensure that you make happy your partner. It's not about your happiness, it's about the other. But I think that God is the one that really realizes you to make sure that you want to make happy your, your, your partner. You know? So I think that. And He also helps us to know what happiness yes, means, right? Exactly. Sometimes we think exactly. that happiness is getting everything you want that day. <laughs> that's not and what that's happiness not, that's is. That's normally not true. No? And I think that. And, and I, I think in, in a marriage, we all strive to make sure that we make happy the other. If you really look forward to make happy the other, then your happiness is going to come automatically because mm -hmm. the other one is going to look the same for you. No? Now, God for us is a direction. God is a direction, is making sure that we abide to their laws, their willingness, but making sure that we live with him. And I think that how do you have, how do you really, because it's saying, it's not that we're going to get out of the retreat and then you're three. No, it's how do you put God in your life? It's about habits, about, as I was saying, about prayer together, praying together, sorry, going to mass together, doing servicing together. One of the things that we love about this retreat is that 
there's two components for the retreats. You get the people that come to do the retreat, but you get the people that come to serve the retreat. I was going to ask you about that next because the other, another very big point that we took away, my husband and I, when we did the retreat, there were uh, many, so there were many couples doing the retreat. Uh, how many couples? 32. 30, no, 32. 32 couples actually doing the retreat. And then there were a load of other couples <laughs> taking care of us, making, you know, feeding us and organizing us and, and talking to us and giving, giving us the retreat. And how many couples do you think? Around are? probably between 30 to 35 couples in addition to the ones doing the retreat comes to, to support the retreat. Yeah. So when my husband and I were there at the retreat, we were overwhelmed with the knowledge that these people who maybe we some we knew by sight, some we knew by name. None, I think, were our close friends that we would say these people have loved us since we were young. Uh, these people were loving us actively. They were, t they gave up their weekend and they were there early and late. And I know they had prepared for a long time beforehand. Why? Because they valued our marriage. So what does that tell me about my marriage? It made it made a huge impact on me. It says, it said to me. The most important part of me is my marriage, my marriage, because marriage is my vocation. So these people weren't there trying to make sure that I have good dental hygiene or, or I have good health care or my or whatever you might think is you know are important elements in your life. Dental hygiene wouldn't be one of them, I guess. But they were there to work on my to help me have a good marriage, and that showed me how important marriage is. Their presence was my. Um, my lesson. Their presence was such a huge wow. lesson to me. I agree. I, one of the beautiful, beautiful part of the retreat is exactly that, the service that others give to you. And I think that it ties many of the things that we've been speaking about. I think that when you want to serve and when you want to give to others, is because God is part of your marriage. You realize that you're dedicated to the happiness of others because you truly believe in God. That's, that's probably number one. You know that marriage is important for the community. So you want to share what you experience. And I think if for you, you did a retreat that helped you to be better, that to be to have a stronger marriage, you want to share that with the others. So I think that also help help to the community uh, to show you the, the power of the community. And it brings the community together. It brings the community together because you start to add to uh, people that are going to work together going forward to try to to be better. No? I felt very loved. At the retreat. I think that's totally, that, that's objective. No, I think the objective is, is, is that we make you feel loved and we make you feel special. Mm -hmm. And one of the important things there, Gracie, is that uh, you get people that sacrifice their weekend for you guys. Yeah. These people, these couples, they left their family away for an entire weekend just to dedicate it to the people that come to the retreat. And wait, and not just to, not just to us, to our yeah. marriages. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly. a very big deal. We live in a culture that says, well, you're married, that's great. If you're not married, that's great too. If you're divorced, that's fine. If you remarry, that, you know, if everything's a choice. Everything is co-equal in a sense, yeah. right? But here were all these people saying, no, 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 your marriage is so important to us that we're going to spend our weekend helping you make your marriage beautiful. I agree 100% with you, and it's, it's by this why we build community. Hmm. I think that people, when people was asking me, why you do these retreats? How many people you're going to help? And our view is that if we help one marriage, it's better for the community, it's better for everybody. So if we can do two, three, four, five at a time, we do that. And people that help us to do retreats believe in the same. We just want to make sure that everybody is better. Because one of the things that we didn't mention is the responsibility that we have as parents. And I think that if you become a better couple, 
you will be a better parent and you will form a better community where your kids are going to live. So at the end, I believe that you build in the community where your kids are going to grow and your kids are going uh, are, are to develop. No? And what about building the faith? How do you see your retreat, uh, your marriage covenant retreat, building the faith? I would say that uh, we build the faith by inviting people to bring God to their lives. And I think that we do a little bit about prayer to get the importance of praying together. The importance about forgiveness. We also talk about forgiveness. We touch a little bit about confession and the importance of confession. One of the topics that we talk is about the importance of forgetting and for, sorry, forgiving your your partner for anything that that has bothered you. And we try to show the mercy that you can have with each other, which is the mercy that God shows to us. No, mm-hmm. so um, I will say that that's the way that we try to build the faith as part of the retreat. We at the end encourage everybody to incorporate praying or doing servicing together or doing more things related to the faith together. Um, we obviously, being a Catholic ret- uh, uh, retreat, we finish with a mass, which I think is very important. It's very, how do you say? Um, it's a sign to it's the a whole sign, community. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a sign to, to the whole parish. The reality is yeah. that we are there in a community to try to improve the community, but doing it in a mass is important because it's like, how do you say? It's like the the the, the cherry on the cake, no? Mm-hmm. It's just to try to show that is where where ties everything together, no? Uh-huh. Yeah, we put our marriages uh, on the, the altar. God, no? yeah. We put our marriages on the altar of the mass, and, exactly. and we offer them to God with all its all their flaws, all their pain, and all their joys, right? And at the end, it's trying to to find a, a, a way to go forward, no? And I think that to have to have hope, no? And I think that if we can have the hope. With God in the center, that's what we really try, try, try to build. No, because the weekend is fantastic, but you finish on Sunday afternoon, and on Monday you go back to the world, and the world is very complicated, Gracie, because yes. the, the, the the priority of the world it's is not, not your marriage susti- and not the sustainability of marriages. I no. think that, and if you go to, and that's a totally different chapter, but if you go to our young kids and the millennials, which look for different things and commitment, mm-hmm. so we need. One of the things that we believe is that we need to make sure that we show to the young generations that commitment is important, that sustaining is important. And how energy. lovely it is, how lovely it is to be to be married, to have uh, to have a sacrament to help you, right? Agree, to have the grace of agree, the sacrament. Agree, I, I don't see agree. how people stay married without the grace of the sacrament. I really don't. No, and again, I agree with you 100%. I think <laughs> that, and we, we need to keep encouraging them, them to do that. And I think that we have, unfortunately, many young young couples that are not willing to get married mm-hmm. is they don't make any priority i've learned through this retreat that the reason they do they don't do that is because they're afraid of commitment mm-hmm. uh, well they've you know in their in their defense they've seen a lot of marriages failed and yeah. they've and they've been hurt by failed marriages well thank you genaro so much for talking to me about My and to all of us crazy. about the marriage covenant retreat where can our listeners learn more about it do you have a web page or a facebook page or something maybe they want to maybe they want to bring it to their own parish yes i think that uh, there is a, they can go to the website of san, san agnes uh, church mm-hmm. which is sanagneskv.org and there there is a link to the marriage covenant and there is all the information about the retreat or uh, you can uh, you can uh, email to us uh, the email is marriage covenant mm-hmm. at S-T-A-G-N-E-S-K-B.org. Okay, and, and we're gonna post we're gonna post a link to that on our podcast show notes so that Excellent. maybe someone listening to this, a couple people listening to this will wanna bring this beautiful retreat 
to their own parishes. And we will love it, and you, they will have our support. We always said that the best thing that we can do is be missionaries and, and bring the Word of God wherever we go. So if we can bring the retreat somewhere else, we can probably go to Washington, or we can do it in New York, or we can go to a country in Latin America, whatever is needed, whether to help people sustain and build the marriages and try to form community. Well, and that's the church on the ground. Yeah. Thank you, Genaro. Thank you, Gracie. Thank you very much. Every morning, the Catholic Association reviews all the latest news and sends our subscribers a carefully curated collection of the most important news of the day. Items are specifically selected for a smart Catholic audience like you. Don't let the world take you by surprise. Subscribe to our daily media roundup at thecatholicassociation.org. This week, as is customary, Father Roger Landry gives us a short but brilliant homily on this coming Sunday's Gospel. Please stay tuned for Father Landry and do look up his daily homily, written in audio, on his website, catholicpreaching.com. This is Father Roger Landry. I hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We give thanks today to have the chance to get ready together for the consequential conversation she wants to have with us this Sunday. This Sunday, as you know, we'll, we will begin a new liturgical year. She's meant to give us a totally new spiritual start, a liturgical year in which we retrace all of the events of salvation history from the long wait for a Messiah to the crowning of that crucified and risen long-awaited one as king of the universe. It's not meant to be a liturgical cycle, but a liturgical spiral, not a same old, same old, but something that will help us to enter into the mysteries we celebrate far more profoundly this time than the last time like rereading a great book or watching a new a classic movie, each pass along the liturgical spiral that begins with the first Sunday of Advent is supposed to reveal to us elements we haven't seen before and remind us of important things that we once knew but have forgotten about the mystery of God, his love for us, his hopes and plans for us. The proper attitude God wants us to have as we begin this season of Advent is given to us by St. Paul in Sunday second reading. What time is it, we could ask, and St. Paul replies, you know what time it is, how it's time for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. Advent, he tells us, first meant to be a time of spiritual awakening, of spiritual rebirth, as we return to what should be the proper foundation of our life, Christ himself, and build our life on him. Second, it's a time of excitement. Salvation is nearer to us than when we first became believers. It's nearer to us because we're a full year closer to meeting Christ face to face. Third, Advent is a time of journeying. Christ is coming. That's what the term Advent means. And we're called not to stay where we are, but to journey toward him and journey with him. In Sunday's opening prayer, we'll turn to God the Father and ask him to grant us the resolve to run forth to meet Christ with righteous deeds at his coming. Advent is the gun at the beginning of a race that gets us to begin a spiritual sprint, to go with haste, to meet Christ as he comes. Isaiah on Sunday will compare Advent to a hike. He'll say, come, let us go up the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in his paths. Advent is a time for climbing up a mountain to meet the Lord, to learn his ways, and to begin to walk in them. So in short, Advent is a time when we get up, get excited, and get moving. We know that none of these things just happen. They require our will. They demand a free choice. First, we've got to get up. 
Sometimes many of us are like spiritually slumbering teenage boys. Advent is like a set of spiritual defibrillators meant to jolt us out of the spiritual comas into sometimes in our weakness we can fall. Second, we have to get excited by stoking our love for God, for his promises, for heaven, for holiness, for happiness. This too requires a choice to start placing our heart more where our true treasure ought to be, making more time for prayer than shopping, more time for reading sacred scripture than watching television Christmas classics, more time for loving our neighbor, especially those in greater need of love, than we give to our hobbies and diversions. Third, after getting our excitement and desires right, then we need to act on them and get moving to where Christ awaits us. We need to go meet him in adoration, to go encounter him in confession, to go receive him in the Eucharist, to go to find him in the disguise of those who are in need, and then to continue to walk in his ways by walking with him, continuing that holy, exciting adventure of faith. As Jesus teaches us Sunday in the gospel, there are great stakes in whether we wake up, get excited, and make that journey. He describes how at the time of Noah there were only a few alert to what was really going on, and the rest perished. He said, two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two grinding meal, one will be taken, the other left. St. Luke's account, he also adds two in one bed, one will be taken, and one left. Jesus describes that two people doing the same thing at the same time will have two totally different outcomes. This doesn't mean that the decision is going to be arbitrary. It's if God's just going to flip a coin and determine who gets taken by him to eternal happiness and who gets left self-alienated forever. The ones who will go with the Lord will be those who are not asleep, not dead to what really matters, but alive. They'll be the ones who are excited for the things of God rather than treat what God asks of us as burdens and the drama of life with him a boring imposition. The ones who are taken will be those who are seeking God, striving to grow spiritually, rather than being content with doing the minimum or even less. The ones who are taken will be those who are journeying, seeking to change in the way Christ wants them to change, who are making the effort to come meet him, who even when they're working the fields or grinding meal in the kitchen or resting in bed, are seeking to unite their whole life to God. Advent is a dynamic season meant to feature a double movement, Christ journeying toward us and our going out of ourselves, out of our comfort zones, out of our old habits to meet him. The spiritual new year we begin on Sunday is a time for setting spiritual New Year's resolutions and responding to God's help to keep them so that we might, in fact, stay alert, excited, and moving. That way, no matter when the Lord comes, we'll never find him a thief but a friend. That way, he'll never catch us off guard, but find us ready to continue with him the journey we have been seeking to walk with him each day. This Sunday, let's begin again. Thank you so much, Father Landry, for giving us that lovely treat that you give us every week, which is that short homily prefiguring this Sunday's gospel. Um, again, I am your hostess, Dr. Gracie Christie. This is Conversations with Consequences, the podcast and radio show of the Catholic Association. Today we spoke, I spoke to two people from my parish who are uh, working with uh, these wonderful initiatives, bringing souls to Christ through service, through the service uh, to the homeless in downtown Miami, and also the service of couples helping other couples uh, stay married and may stay married and make their marriages holy and uh, create really, really um, sanctifying homes for their children to grow up in. So thank you for joining us this week. Please join us again next week. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you can do that at thecatholicassociation.org slash podcast or just go to any podcast 
app and look for Conversations with Consequences. Please rate and review because this helps us, uh, this helps other people find our podcast. Thank you so much, and we will be talking to you next week. <laughs>